Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Recovery Talk. Yeah, I still don't have a better intro than that, unfortunately. It will come. Anyways, do you know what I had for breakfast today? I just ate. I had hot cross buns. I don't know what they put in to those pastries, but it's just so good. It's like buns, but it has a cross on it. It's like, I think it's like a British thing. I've never seen it in my home country, right? And I have it like hot with like a lot of butter and it's so nice. I've been in the UK for years and I still discover new foods that I haven't really tried. And this was one of them. So how do that relate to today's episode? Um, I mean, it doesn't, but I will find a way to relate it to today's episode. Um, Essentially, any kind of like pastry was a major binge food for me during my eating disorder. As some of you might be aware, I had anorexia nervosa binge purge subtype aka a nice mashup of like anorexia and bulimia it's interesting because i think there is this like idea that there is a major separation between bulimia and anorexia but actually very often they overlap and also it's very common to develop bulimia after exclusively restricted anorexia right that you kind of change the eating disorder from one to another right and this does tie in a lot to what i'm speaking about today which is the binge restrict cycle oh dear oh dear are many people stuck in this cycle and i think partly to blame except for biology which i'll come back to more to later partly to blame i think at times our treatment professionals because they aren't aware of post-starvation hyperphagia aka reactive hunger aka extreme hunger if you want to know a bit more about that before continuing listening or maybe afterwards check out my episode on extreme hunger and also i've done a lot of episodes about you know binging extreme hunger reactive hunger overeating call it whatever but anyhow what you very often see is someone is experiencing you know they're going through a period of restriction right it could be a brief period it could be a prolonged period and then what happens is that eventually what tends to happen is that a period of reactive hunger hits right and here's the thing Unfortunately, some healthcare practitioners are not aware that this is a completely normal, healthy response to restriction. Instead, they start thinking, wow, looks like you're going from one eating disorder to another here. And here's the thing. If you're treating this reactive hunger, this binging as a problem and that you try to compensate for, then yeah, that is very often what happens. And this is why a lot of people, for instance, would go from anorexia to bulimia, right? Because they're experiencing mainly restrictive eating disorder, restrictive eating disorder as in they're mainly restricting. Because a restrictive eating disorder can involve, you know, binging, purging, exercise, all of these things. When I say restrictive eating disorder, I do not mean just restrictive anorexia, just like an FYI. Yeah, essentially they're experiencing, you know, predominantly restriction. And then sooner or later... The reactive hunger kicks in and then they react by compensating right and in this episode i talk about binge restrict but i want to say that when i say restrict that can also include purging behaviors even though it's quite an effective way but still i put it under that umbrella right intent intent to compensate right whether it's effective or not that's a different discussion but intent to compensate would be put under the restriction umbrella so purging behaviors um, you know, 
plain old restriction, right, which is the main thing I'm talking about here, but also things such as restricting by exercise, right, over-exercise, exercise exercise to compensate for a binge, right? I know I've said this before, but I'll say it again. When I say binge, I do not refer to something, you know, something, I guess, (laughs) something bad, right? I use binge as a neutral word. I do not use it as like a loaded term, like binge is something like dangerous or wrong. I just use it as a description to mean a period of eating quite a substantial amount of food. Very often eating quite a substantial amount of food, feeling very, you know, out of control and almost like you're in like a what can I say? Almost like you're cursed, right? You're in this like haste. You can't quite control yourself, right? It's just like this extreme hunger. And sometimes it's not even that you're hungry, you know? Sometimes you might be completely stuffed, but you still have this drive to eat. So I tend to describe it more as a drive to eat rather than hunger because sometimes people, yeah, they can feel ravenously hungry. Other times they're feeling actually they're quite full, not even hungry. They just need to eat and they don't understand what's going on. So I will not go too much in detail about what extreme hunger, reactive hunger, all of these things, what it is because I've done that in the past. What I want to talk more about is the binge restrict cycle and how a lot of people end up in this cycle. For some people, it is just how their eating disorder ends up in the beginning. Whilst for other people, they eventually end up in that cycle or it may be a cycle that develops in recovery. And I also want to talk a bit about how this cycle can often be missed and kind of confused with preference or you know, just intuitive eating or even worse, (laughs) intermittent fasting. I can't say the word. Intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting. I don't know. Periodic fasting, basically. Intermittent fasting. I think I said it correctly. So one thing that I hear a lot from people in recovery is they feel the most hungry during night and then at night they will eat a lot and they'll kind of save up calories for the night and then when they wake up in the morning they're still full so then they end up not really eating much in the morning and for them this can feel like intuitive eating right because you if you had like a massive feast in the night you might not be that hungry in the morning right and for other people they're very consciously noticing that they are restricting but for other people they might not be aware that they're even restricting because it feels intuitive and then it can seem like a preference it can seem like this is just how i prefer to eat i prefer not eating a lot during the day and then having a big meal at night don't get me wrong we all have different eating patterns right But I would encourage you, if you notice that this is something that it's almost like you're, it's becoming like a bit of a ritual and you're noticing that you can't really allow yourself to eat more during the day, be mindful. It is okay to eat a lot at night, but you also need to eat a lot during the day. Because if you end up saving up calories, then this is still a bit of a scarcity mindset. You want to be able to go out and have a big lunch with your friends without worrying that, oh my god, I'm using my calorie budget because I was going to plan on having this feast in the evening and no, I can't. And what I very often see is that when someone eat more throughout the whole day, eventually they notice that their hunger kind of regulates. So instead of kind of getting, feeling like eating a lot at night, they feel like eating more, you know, spread out throughout the day. This does not mean that you never want to have a nice night snack, you know, we all love a nice night snack, don't get me wrong, 
But if you are consistently feeding yourself throughout the day, your hunger tends to get used to that. And equally, if you're kind of teaching your body that the night is eating time, then that's kind of what you get. You're making yourself used to that, right? Yeah, this is a very insidious example of how the binge restrict cycle can camouflage as a preference or as a routine. And also some people will very like consciously eat this way and be aware of it, but they will call it inter intermittent fasting. Why can't I say that word? It intermittent fasting. You know, they will say that, oh yeah, this is, you know, this is this is a very nice and healthy thing to do. It's not. Honestly, it is not. And again, this is not me telling people how to eat and that they need to eat a specific way. This is more me sharing how a binge restrict cycle can be camouflaged as other things, right? It does not mean that everyone who eats from eats like in an intermittent fasting way are in a deep into a binge restrict cycle and they're just, you know, struggling heavily with an eating disorder. That's not what I'm saying. But I would argue that in general, any kind of eating that creates rules about when you can and can't eat and encourages you to restrict it is a bit on the disordered spectrum, in my opinion, from my perspective as someone who works with eating disorders. Obviously, that will also shape my view on how I see those things. It's probably not surprising. And now let's talk a bit more about the very obvious form of binge restrict, which is essentially that you are someone who is heavily restricting and then you have a binge and then you restrict and then you binge and on it goes. It could be a permanent thing that you're either restricting or binging or you might just have times when you binge and then you restrict as a com as like a like a compensatory mechanism. So I think I spoke about this in the episode about bulimia recovery um, but I'll repeat it once again. So the key to recovering from a binge restrict cycle and again this is not an opinion this is based just on science and literally like hunger hormones right this is just like science one-on-one -on -one, not me making it up some conspiracy here again you can go and check and learn a bit about what food deprivation does to your hunger hormones and also like psychologically like banning yourself from thing what that does to your psyche right anyway I've spoken more about that in previous episodes but anyway so the big mistake that a lot of people do when they want to get out of a binge restrict cycle is that they target the binges as the problem that needs to be controlled rather than the restriction, right? And then they try to target the binges and then tell themselves, well, I just need to have more willpower and then I will stop binging, right? And I mean, if, if it was that easy, if that was an effective approach, then, I mean, you all be recovered by now. You wouldn't be in a binge restrict cycle still. Uh, but that is not really what is happening. I don't think I've heard a single person say, oh, I was binging and then I just put on some self-control and it stopped. I just don't think I've heard that. This is where I also think sometimes some treatment professionals go wrong because they will see the binging and instead of seeing the binging as a completely normal response to restriction, which I've spoken about in several previous episodes, they see it as a problem that needs to be solved and then Fair enough, you want to solve the binge restrict cycle, right? But if you aggressively target the binging, this implies that the binging is something wrong, which can lead the person experiencing the binges to feel a lot of shame, which makes them feel, oh my God, I did something wrong. And then that makes the person feel like they need to 
compensate for this sinful behavior they're engaging in. So that's why, and I know this can seem counterproductive and maybe even a bit surprising, but this is just what I've seen work so many times, is actually give yourself permission to eat, including eating a lot of food. Yes, you will maybe go through a period where you are binging, but the key is you need to stop the restriction. This is so, 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 so important. And I know this can be scary. I know you can thinking, yeah, but then I will just, if I stop the restriction and just let myself eat, I'm going to develop binge eating disorder, blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing, even in cases of actual classic non-restrictive binge eating disorder, please keep in mind, when I'm in this episode, I'm talking about the binge restrict cycle, right? But even in cases of non-restrictive binge eating disorder, restriction worsens it, right? Restriction worsens it. It's simple biology. If you are not eating sufficiently, then your body will literally, the way the body works is that it will make you hungry, make you food obsessed, and it will create more binging. It's so interesting because I read this study, right? It was a study on rats where uh, they basically wanted to see if like, is sugar as addictive as drugs? You know, I hear that a lot. That's been debunked. And uh, yeah, it's yeah, absolute pseudoscience. It is not how it works, right? Anyways, and it was so interesting because they, they were looking at a study on like rats and seeing do rats kind of like act uh, <laughs> towards sugar like they would with like drugs, right? And what they found was that the rats showed, you know, quote unquote, addictive behavior towards the sugar only when they have been deprived, right? So can you see this? And this is what I see time and time again. People will tell me, oh, I'm addicted to chocolate, right? And then I ask them, well, do you ban yourself from it? And then they're like, yeah. And then you see that the food they will act out of control around is the foods that they're trying to control. And could it be then that maybe the solution is not more control, but actually letting go of the control? Again, I know it seems counterproductive, like, oh, I'm just going to let myself binge uncontrollably. But here's the thing, restriction hasn't worked so far, right? And by instead on trying to prevent the binges, instead trying to prevent the restriction, which will then in turn, with time, prevent the binges. I let myself eat unrestricted. I never explicitly worked on stopping binging. And I was binging, you know, during my eating disorder, during my recovery. This was a major part of my eating disorder. I never did any work to stop the binging or like learn different coping mechanisms, any of that. For me, because it was reactive hunger, for me, actually targeting the restriction in time it actually made my binges go away, right? And I see this a lot with clients and it's very, very interesting because I see sometimes with clients, right? Especially when they're letting themselves, giving themselves unconditional permission to eat. And especially if they come from like a binge restrict cycle, binge over exercise, binge purge whatsoever, they will tell me that if they do try to binge, almost like an old, you know, kind of old, I guess, not coping mechanism, because I think that kind of implies that binging is a coping mechanism rather than an actual completely normal response to starvation, right? But it is normal to feel more urges to binge when you are, you know, for instance, in a bad mood, because binging is something your body, through undernourishment, you have been programmed to find it very rewarding. In the same way that if you dehydrate yourself, getting a glass of cold water is going to be a lot more rewarding for your brain than if you're not dehydrated. But anyways, what I see time and time again, someone who has completely refed themselves, they notice that if they try and binge out of like old habit, they notice that it just doesn't hit the same way, right? It doesn't hit the same way. 
And the same with that, you know, you're super dehydrated, you have a glass of ice cold water, and it's so nice. But then when you have another glass, because you're kind of not so dehydrated anymore, it just doesn't hit the same way as the first one, right? And I think this is why some people can then be tempted to deprive themselves again so that they can get the hits, right? So for instance, in the water scenario example, maybe then the reaction, I mean, this is not something people do as far as I'm aware of, but just an example, maybe I was like, oh, well, the second glass of water didn't hit the same because I was not as dehydrated. Let me go dehydrate myself so I can experience that hit again, right? And I think this is very often what happens with like in, in binge restrict patterns, right? It's that some people actually don't want to let go of that hit that the food is programmed to give them right? But this is talking for those people who actually don't want this hit anymore. They want food to just be something that's nice, but not something that gives you a major like high. And I think very often people think that because food binging gives them a high, this is proof somehow that it is emotional eating, that it's a binge eating disorder whatsoever. But here's the thing, like I said again, and when you're undernourished, you are programmed to find it more rewarding. And as I mentioned, you can even see this in animals. This is something that is just so, it's such like a basic biological urge. It's how we have survived. Imagine if we didn't have this obsession with food and this urges to eat quite substantial, like quite large amounts after a period of famine. We would all have died, right? We would all have died. Imagine so interesting because I think for a person without an eating disorder who's looking out the outside like oh if you are not eating a lot then you are gonna react by being more hungry it's just such a logical thing so logical but the eating disorder oh my god it's so sinister it will convince you that no 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 this is not the case for you and this is the thing I always say like I can sit here for another spin yeah, 17 minutes. I can sit for another 17 minutes and give you every study, explain all the biology of it, explain it in detail, and just be aware. It's not going to be enough to satisfy your eating disorder, right? So I want to tell you this. If you are stuck in a binge restrict cycle, be aware that for, like focusing on actually letting go of the restriction and feeding yourself adequately throughout the day, it's going to feel very wrong. It's going to feel so wrong. And especially as, you know, it's, People often have this unrealistic expectation that, okay, well, I'm going to start, okay, well, I can see I'm in a bit of a binge restrict cycle. I'm going to start eating more throughout the day. And then they expect after like one day, the binges will just be gone. But no, this is not really how it works. I mean, for some people, it might go that fast. I don't know. But usually it takes some time. If you have been depriving yourself for some time and you give yourself unconditional permission to eat throughout the day, every day, it's going to take some time before your body is kind of trusting that there's going to be an adequate amount of food coming in. Because this is the thing, right? You deprive your body of food and then you give your body access to food. Then it's very natural that your body, when it is presented with food, it's like, well, it's now or never, right? And it gives you urges to eat large, large, large amounts. But if you're actually telling your body like, hey, food is available throughout the day, it's fine. Then essentially your body's going to turn that down a bit, right? It's going to turn it down a notch. But don't expect this to happen overnight. You're not broken for going through a period where you just want to eat all day, every day for quite some time. It will pass. One thing that people very often ask me is, okay, so imagine I had a binge last night and now I woke up and I'm still full what do I do? I mean, I'm trying to eat intuitively here. I don't feel like eating. 
And I mean, sometimes people might not eat out of guilt, but also other times people generally don't feel hungry the day after a binge, right? And here's the thing, you still need to eat. This is so, so, so important. Even if you're full, if your goal is to get out of the binge restrict cycle, it's absolutely crucial that you are still eating the day after or even the meal after a binge regardless. Because as soon as you start engaging in these restrictive behaviors, that worsens the binging, right? It worsens the binging. And if it didn't, then why wouldn't you be out of this cycle yet? Why? Why? So I believe that the traditional approach to binges is just completely very often like neglecting basic biology. And it's frustrating because it also shows, it's also like... It doesn't work, right? And I think it creates repeat customers because it implies that it has something to do with moral and willpower and that that is something you can just magically work on, right? And they keep people in the cycle, right? They tell you, yeah, you have your an emotional eater whatsoever. You need to learn mindful eating whatsoever. And then they know that they keep people in the cycle. They keep you a repeat customer, right? Because they know that it's not going to work. You know, it's not going to work. If you're undernourished and you're having reactive hunger because you're so friggin' hungry, then <laughs> it's not going to work to sit there and meditate or to sit there and like, or, or have a glass of water. It's not going to work, right? It's kind of like, imagine if someone is really, really tired and they actually just need some sleep, but instead there's like, no, we need to change your mindset towards being awake we need to focus and you're like it's not going to solve the root issue right and if the root issue is actually that you're hungry then that is what you need to focus on and in this episode i'm specifically talking about that that type of eating like that type of case when either eating is like it's reactive eating and you are in the binge restrict cycle this is not to say that every person in the world who binges does so because of reactive hunger right this is not what i'm saying but i'm saying that quite a lot of people do and this is just completely neglected and even for those who don't binge because of restriction per se you may be there they've been binging the whole life without any kind of restrictive behavior if they put restriction into the mix that will worsen the binging in many many cases another thing to be aware of you find yourself in a binge restrict cycle is this concept of like forbidden foods, right? So I see a lot of people who they might eat, you know, quite sufficient amounts throughout the day, which of course can reduce, you know, a binging some, even if you only eat safe foods, right? But because they're only eating safe foods, whenever they have a, you know, they have access to fear foods, they will go in this like all or nothing mindset. Like this is my only chance to eat the Oreo cookies. I'm gonna eat the whole package because I need to, also something I hear is like, I need to get it out of my house because it can't tempt me tomorrow, right? So it's not just about eating sufficient amounts and sufficient calories to become like an energy balanced or energy plus person. If you're like in recovery, you wanna be in an energy plus, you know, for the repair and restoration, blah, blah, blah. But it is also about allowing yourself to eat all kinds of foods. So if you're someone who catch yourself being in like a binge restrict cycle and you feel like, well, I've kind of quit re restriction part now, I'm eating sufficient, I'm eating so much, but you notice that there are certain foods you binge on, be mindful of that and that those foods, actually the foods you can't control yourself around, probably the foods you should be more around. So 
I very often have this with clients where they will come to me and they will have a very specific food that they binge on, right? And I will literally work with them to implement that food more throughout the day. And I'll have clients eating this particular food, literally like some of them will eat it like every meal for like, could be a few days, could be weeks, could even be months. And then eventually they'll be like, oh my God, I'm so fed up this food, right? It's a way to take back the power, you know, allow yourself to eat the food. You would be surprised over how many people are in a binge restrict cycle. I would say as someone working with people with eating disorder, it's probably the most common thing that people are experiencing that I work with. It's very, very common. And if they're not experiencing it's like at the moment, it's something people very often will eventually experience. But the key then is to be aware of what it is, aware of the concept of extreme hunger, reactive hunger, and knowing that the solution is you need to eat, you need to feed yourself, you need to have unconditional permission to eat with no restriction or compensatory behaviors. I hope you enjoyed this episode and now I'm going to answer a listener question. You know, I should really collect my listener questions at like one place because I kind of, I tend to ask on Instagram at, you know, letsrecover.co.uk, which is my like recovery platform. And also at Amali Lee, which is my kind of more like, you know, account for a bit of everything, a bit of recovery, a bit of me. Um, and I tend to ask in my stories like, hey guys, I'm taking some uh, listener question submissions and then open up an ask book. So if you want to ask a question, that is usually the best place to get at, right? But I also sometimes get via email and I kind of, you know, <laughs> they're a bit of everywhere. I should really get a better system on it. Uh, but now this one is from the ask box that's usually the case. So the question goes, in recovery, is it normal to feel physically so full and bloated, but your mind craves more food? And the answer to that is yes, 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 yes. This is so often how binging, reactive hunger, extreme hunger, just how it manifests, right? A lot of people think, and I know I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I mentioned again, a lot of people think, you know, extreme hunger, reactive hunger, all of these things, it has to be a physical hunger, but very often it manifests as a mental hunger. And this is actually very interesting because I talk to a lot of people with eating disorders that report that actually they don't really feel that like physically hungry during their eating disorder, but they're food obsessed, right? So this is actually a form of hunger. It's a mental hunger and mental hunger is hunger too. And I know this can be really scary because, of course, the eating disorder will try and, like, you know, discredit your hunger as a reason why you should not eat. You know, it'd be like, no, this is just, you know, this is just in your head. You don't really need it, right? But you do need it. So I have done an episode previously about the fear of emotional eating oh, and also about, like, mental hunger and this whole thing of noticing that you feel more like the hunger is in your head rather than in your body. And how, even though it feels like it's in your head, it's actually kind of in your body as well because you need the food, but it's more just like your body has kind of given up on sending you those, the growling stomach, right? It's kind of, hasn't really worked so far. And very often, you know, hunger will be a bit out of whack in recovery. And it's very normal that instead you just feel this like extreme urge to eat, even though you're full. I would actually say that most people I talk to in recovery will experience this at one point or another in one way or another. For some people, it is just a food obsession. For other people, it is just this like drive to eat, eat, eat. 
and it is completely normal, completely normal part of recovery. It will pass. And yeah, I'll recommend you to check out those that previous episode if it's something that's concerning you, because in that episode, I go more in detail about exactly this. Mental hunger is valid. So yeah, I hope that helps. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And yeah, if you got questions for the podcast and stuff, keep an eye on those ask box that keep popping up. And also, I know I've been a little bit like less active on social media lately. I mean, at, at least now when I'm recording it, because I'm pre-recording a few episodes. And I know I've kind of explained to you my health has not been great. And I have been very busy with, you know, work, uni, life and running on a bit of limited supply. But I do really want to thank you guys for the nice messages and feedback you're giving me on this podcast. I'm sorry that I don't always have the chance to answer everything, but I want you to know that I'm reading and it really, really means a lot to me. So yeah, it just kind of reminds me why, why I'm doing what I'm doing, right? And I'm always very, you know, when you guys are saying, oh, I would love to hear more about this or more about that, or can you do an episode on this or that? You know, I'm very happy to take requests, right? Hearing what you guys want to know more about, it's amazing. As long as you understand that I get a lot of requests and I can't like <laughs> pick everything, right? As long as you understand that, give me requests, you know? If anything you haven't heard about in this podcast yet that you want me to dig more into, let me know. And also if you got any like feedback, maybe there's something you feel like I could do differently, like maybe something that <laughs> could be better. I mean, you could also let me know. I mean, in a nice way, hopefully. (laughs) So yeah, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to seeing you guys next week.